a lot of people like they can't eat in the morning or they just don't want to. But I would say please have sahur. <laughs> like please have okay. zahri or sahur. There's barakah in it. And it's going to sustain you for the rest of your fast, right? You know how they say like breakfast is your most important meal of the day? Mm-hmm. Well, like this applies so much more to sahur, right? Like this is like your meal that you're starting off your whole fast with. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Unfazed with Tazzy Faye podcast, where we have casual down-to-earth conversations about all sorts of topics. On today's episode, I will be talking to Sadaf Sheikh, who is a registered dietitian specializing in weight management, diabetes, kidney disease, and uh, many other things. And I will tell you that she is legit. She has got three degrees, so this is not a random TikToker spreading misinformation to confuse you. She's really learned her stuff. We had a great conversation about diet culture, nutrition, and how to stay full and healthy this Ramadan. I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, really appreciate it. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and the work that you do and just a little bit about your background in general? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Sedaf and I'm a registered dietitian up north in Canada. Um, for those who don't know what a dietitian is, because many people know what a nutritionist is, but they are like, what's a dietitian? So a dietitian is a, somebody who's like a healthcare professional. So just like you have like a nurse or you have like a pharmacist, like the expert on nutrition is a dietitian. So a dietitian is somebody who gives like sound and reliable, like nutritional information, which is like based on evidence and research. So it's different from a nutritionist because we have to go through like extensive training and we don't you know, we don't really support like these fad diets and these gimmicks and things like that. So I did my undergrad in nutrition and then I did like some extensive training in um, a hospital in Toronto, which I got to like kind of do like tube feeds and manage different diseases through nutrition, which is pretty amazing because um, not many people know that nutrition can actually help a lot of these disease states in managing them. So for example, like kidney disease. So then I did that and then I started my own private practice ever since. And so now I do more like community counseling, like with in the clinic and about like cholesterol and just like healthy eating and weight management and things like that. Oh, that's awesome. And I, you know, among other things, you're also an author. So we'll get to that as well um, later in the podcast. <laughs> it's always weird to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was actually looking at, which we'll also get into later, but I was, I was just scrolling through it also before um, meeting here and, I was really impressed. I was like, did she take all these photos and do all this work by herself? Like that's a lot of work. So yeah, honestly, it was, it was a lot of work, but like I got some help with, um, my husband helped me with the photos. So that helped a lot. Okay, I wouldn't be able to do it by myself. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm sure. So, so what inspired you to become a dietitian in the first place? Mm -hmm. So at first, like every other brown kid, I wanted to become a doctor. <laughs> yeah. And then I was, I went into like biomedical science. Um, and then halfway through my degree, I actually like had a, a course on metabolism. And so it really was like fascinating to me the way the body metabolizes all these different foods and in different states, how it will like adapt. Um, and all these different, you know, Krebs cycle and all these um, different cycles that it uses. So I was always interested in healthy eating and being active. I was always conscious of what I ate. So I was like, you know what, this is actually a better field for me. And also I probably wasn't as smart enough to become a doctor anyway. So and then I was like, that's not true. I mean, it's honestly becoming a doctor is very difficult. So, you know, kudos to the people who actually do it. But I realized this was like right up my alley. And so I was like, okay, let me switch and go into nutrition. 
So I actually completed my degree and then I did another degree in nutrition. So I have like two degrees in undergrad, two undergraduate degrees, but alhamdulillah, I didn't have to do like eight years, uh, which was great because a lot of the courses that I took kind of transferred. Anyway, long story short, I went into dietetics and then I realized, you know, a lot of these diseases that we see, mm-hmm. all these like chronic diseases we see is very preventable with lifestyle and with diet, you know, like diabetes, heart disease, like there is a genetic component to a lot of these, but I'm really like into like prevention is better than cure. Mm-hmm. And so I saw like a huge potential in nutrition in the community to help us like have a better lifestyle so we can prevent these things. Because mm-hmm. back in the day we used to, you know, we, we would die because of like under eating or like hunger, but now we're dying more so because of overeating. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what inspired me to go into dietetics. Okay. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's so much to it. And, and, um, I actually, something early on that you said was really interesting to me because I am someone who definitely, uh, falls <laughs> for the gimmicky things. I don't want to say it completely, but <laughs> it's, um, it's very like sensationalized. So I don't blame you. Like it's, you know, it, the, the advertising is, you know, really good. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I've never done anything like keto or anything like that. I mean, I've, I know people have had results, but I guess mm-hmm. in terms of like, I'll see a TikTok or, you know, and I'm yeah. like, oh, and I get convinced really easily that I mm-hmm. am doing this certain thing or that this is actually good for me and that's bad for me. And so, um, yeah. yeah, what's, so can you elaborate just a little bit more on nutritionists not using the same science or like, why is there so much yeah. conflicting? So here's, yeah, it's honestly, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So there's like different, there's nutritionists, right. And then there's dietitians. And then there's like this new thing called like health coaches. I don't know if you've heard of those two. Mm-hmm. So anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. You don't need any sort of qualifications to call yourself a nutritionist, but to be a dietitian, it's a regulated title. So just like how a farm, like somebody can be like, I'm a pharmacist, but not have gone to pharmacy school. Mm -hmm. You can't call yourself a dietitian and not have done like the training to become a dietitian. It's a protected title and you're regulated by a college to make sure you're giving reliable, like proper information. That's not going to put their health at at risk. So a nutritionist may have studied nutrition at a, you know, university or, you know, I'm not going to put them down because a lot of them, like they, they do um, try to keep things evidence-based, but a lot of them, unfortunately are, you know, like they, they're self-proclaimed nutritionists. So it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to differentiate which one is reliable and which one isn't. Mm-hmm. That's why um, dietetics is supposed to be the field that is um, the most reliable because we have a college that protects the patients that are seen, right? So just like you have like a college for surgeons and for doctors and you can report your, your doctor if they did something bad, you know, you can report your dietitian, but you can't necessarily report a nutritionist because there's no regulatory body. Okay. You, do you get what I mean? Like to yes. oversee them. Yes. Yes. No, yeah. no, I, I totally understand that. So, um, you know, kind of going off of these gimmicky things or trends or fat mm-hmm. diets. So one of the big ones that is, has been buzzing, I would say for the last like few years that people are getting into, which, I mean, I don't think we think it's a gimmick because we do it every year, yeah. but that would be intermittent fasting. So yeah. Um, you know, just kind of going off of that, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit, you know, I want to get some of your insight on, on how, like your advice, um, for people Mm -hmm. who are fasting during the month of Ramadan, but 
Um, do you have any opinions on intermittent fasting and the whole obsession with it? Yeah. So it started off with this um, technique called like five, two, which basically um, five days of the week, I think you fast and then two days you don't or something okay. along those lines. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have to have like less than 500 calories a day. Okay. I think that's very extreme. 500 calories is really not that much. And also the reason I don't support it as much is because it's, it's extremely strict um, and it's not backed by a lot of body of research. So dietitians don't normally promote things that haven't been backed by a lot of research. That being said, um, it is in our tradition, obviously too fast, right? Mm -hmm. So the way I see things is like what we know objectively as truth is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So we know that fasting is something that's good for us because Allah ordained it for us. So I have no problem saying like fasting is great for our bodies, right? Mm-hmm. But what I have an issue with is saying that it does X, Y, Z for your for your weight loss and, you know, um, these other uh, effects of it, like bringing down your cholesterol, et cetera, because actually for some people it does the opposite. It's not sustainable. Um, for some people, it can actually lead to um, disordered eating. So if people who suffer from anorexia, mm-hmm. they may hop onto this as a diet for themselves. And this is why I also don't like the concept of fasting to lose weight in okay. Ramadan, because that's not the point, right? right? The point of Ramadan is for us to attain taqwa, right? It's for us to have that consciousness. But when we focus it on like losing weight, then we're losing the plot, right? We're missing the plot here. Like this is not the reason why we're fasting because you have to have the right intentions to be rewarded for your actions, right? I'm going on a tangent here, but in essence, there are some benefits for sure. Like lowering your insulin while you're, um, while you're uh, fasting, you know, you're not having food. So I, I, you know, maybe first I should talk about like what the body, what happens to the body when we fast. Yeah. So when we fast, right, we have suhoor and then our body takes breaks it down with enzymes in our like digestive system, right? So carbohydrates in particular are broken down into glucose, right? And then our body delivers it to like our cells, right? And it uses that as energy. Mm-hmm. So the idea with intermittent fasting is that if we have a long enough gap between eating, we're not going to be having like a lot of insulin, which is a hormone, which is produced when we have food, particularly carbohydrates, so that we can use it as energy. So when we have less insulin, our body then uses glucose from our stored energy as like a energy source. So then eventually you want to be able to like lose weight because the energy that you're getting is from your body and not from the food that you eat. So that's great and all, but at one point we might even break down our muscles for energy. Mm. And you don't want that, right? So that's why I don't... um, I don't suggest the five, two thing, but I think if, if somebody wanted to adopt something close to intermittent fasting, why don't you just follow the sunnah, you know, just fast on Mondays and Thursdays. I was just thinking, actually, when I was reading about five, two recently, I thought about that. I was like, that is exactly what we're intended yeah. <laughs> to do anyway. So it's kind of funny that it's a fad. Yeah. Um, it's like the research always has to like catch up with Islam, right? Yeah. So why not, why not stick to what we know is like objectively true? Right. Right. We've been doing this for, I can't tell you how many people used to tell me, Oh, that's not healthy that you do that. They still say that to me. Yeah. Oh my God. Interesting. Actually, Uh, when when I was training to become a dietitian, somebody told me that too, like my preceptor. And I was like, 
what is this lady? Like, she's not allowed to say that to me. <laughs> right, right. Oh, no. People like to share their opinions. On yeah, especially when they're in dietetics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So going off of that, um, you know, now that we've kind of talked about what happens to the body um, mm-hmm. and, you know, your opinion on, on, on you know, focusing on weight loss, um, I know that we connected last year because you had done a 50 Ramadan recipe mm-hmm. book and I, I got to look at it or you sent it to me. Um, and I think I shared it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I know that you have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to, you know, this month and, and nutrition and, and all that kind of stuff and having recipes. So I wanted to know from your perspective, what are your biggest piece of pieces of advice, or even if you had one piece of advice, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to trying to stay healthy, um, and eating sustainable or not sustained food that will sustain you. Sustain during Ramadan. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. I have three points in mind. So I, I would say like, number one, like make sure you're hydrated, right? Like sometimes we overlook the hydration because we're just so focused on like our hunger, but you want to start off your fast with like a good amount of uh, water. So in a day, normal healthy adults usually need around like nine to 12 cups of water, right? Um, really depends on, you know, uh, your age and your sex and even like things like the weather. But what I, what I say in Ramadan, because the hours are so short, like to like for us to eat and drink, I say six cups a day at least. So I would say tip number one is like, have at least six cups of water a day. And what size of cups are you saying? When you say cup, what do you mean? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, so I mean like, um, 250 mls. Okay. So, um, I know in, a, in the US you use ounces. Yes. Um, let me see what I think that's eight, I think it's eight ounces. Okay. Like yeah. Six. That's the recommended. Yep. It's, uh, yeah. Yep. 8.4 fluid ounces. Yeah. Uh, like up north, we, we use like liters and milliliters. So, yeah. The and, US is whack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They always use like the opposite of what the rest of the world uses, like kilograms. And anyway, yeah. that's a different discussion. But mm-hmm. so, what I mean by cups, I mean like eight ounces. So, Two at suhoor, two at iftar, one like in tarawi, and mm-hmm. one before bed. That's like a guideline. You don't have to strictly follow it, but it's a good way to ensure you're getting at least the six cups, right? Um, because we need the water, right? Like water is what's going to help us to even like transport our nutrients around our body, which, and also to digest, right? So we need the water for sure. So, and it's not just water, it's also um, like foods that contain water. So, like watermelon you know, mm-hmm. or like cucumbers, like these are like 90% water um, and then milk and soups and things like that. Even your tea and your coffee is considered fluid. It can count towards your nine to 12 a day and then just have your six cups of water. Um, so hydration number one. And then the other thing I would say is a lot of people like they can't eat in the morning or they just don't want to, but I would say, please have sahur, <laughs> like please okay. have sahri or sahur. Mm-hmm. Like there's baraka in it. And it's going to sustain you for the rest of your fast, right? You know how they say like breakfast is your most important meal of the day. Mm-hmm. Well, like this applies so much more to sahur, right? Like this is like your meal that you're starting off your whole fast with, right? And you're going to be fasting for like what? 11 to like 20 hours, depending on where you are. So you want to like nourish your body at least a little bit beforehand, because this will give you the energy and then it'll prevent you from feeling dizzy and having the headaches and things like that. Right. So you're your meal at suhoor, I would say, make sure you have carbs because it's your brain uses glucose as a main energy source. 
um, and then also have low glycemic index carbs. So low glycemic index carbohydrates are carbs that the body takes a longer time to digest. So this means that you're going to feel full for longer because you're not going to digest it as quickly. So like if I had like a white bagel, you know, and then I had like some cream cheese on it, like that's not going to sustain me throughout my fast because my body's just going to absorb that like very quickly. And then <laughs> by the time it's like noon, I'm mm-hmm. like already starving. You know, but if I had like oats, for example, or if I had like, you know, um, like some, uh, I don't know, like uh, a lot of people have like food. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's like, yeah, the bean, uh, fava beans, fava beans. Yeah. Like that's a carbohydrate and a protein. So that goes to my second point where like you want to have all three macros. So you want to have carbs, you want to have protein and you want to have healthy fats because you want to have like a balanced meal so that it's going to sustain you throughout the whole um, fast and you need all those nutrients because you need the protein to maintain your muscle. You don't want to be losing weight or losing your muscle during your fast. And also it's like used to help make like antibodies and stuff too, which like during Corona, like, you know, I think you're going to want that and right, <laughs> also like right. healthy fats, um, like the healthier fats, like avocados and like nuts and like unsaturated vegetable oils. These will like help you feel full for longer. Okay. So focus on the three macros. Um, yeah. And my last point would be, um, out of thought, please try to prevent yourself from overeating and make sure you fill up on the nutritious stuff first. Cause like, we also want to like have a treat here and there, Mm -hmm. but you want to fill up your body on the nutritious foods because that's what your body needs at that point. Right. It's trying to replenish, um, what it hasn't had the whole day. Right. So you don't want to fill up on like too many samosas or brownies, which don't have that nutrition, right? Right. Yeah. So that's what I would suggest. (laughs) That's good advice. So with macros, um, how can people calculate macros? Because I know I tried to do it a while ago and every website that I go to, it's like a different, Mm -hmm. gives me a different number. So how would you recommend that people track stuff like that? Um, If you want to be particular, um, there's a good app called my fitness college you've probably heard of. Yes. Um, although I don't always agree with the amount of calories that they suggest, um, their macronutrient distribution is very accurate. Okay. So um, I think it's around 45 to 65% carbs. And then the protein is um, 10 to 20%. And then the fats is like 20 to 30%. Um, so that's usually what we recommend. Um, if you want something that's like a little bit more easy to like visualize without using the app, Mm-hmm. Um, there's something called the plate method, which is where you have your plate and half of your plate is like vegetables. And then a quarter is protein and a quarter is carbohydrate. Okay. That's so easy. Yeah. It's like yeah. an easy way for you to kind of balance like all three, um, macros. And then like the fat would be like, um, in your food, like the one you prepare it. So like if you have like an omelet and you're going to use like oil, that would be your fat. So you would limit it to like, maybe like a tablespoon. So going back to the concept of, you know, we were talking earlier about, um, well, we're talking about it now, but spirituality and, (laughs) you know, weight loss or, um, eating healthy or whatever it may be. Do you feel that there is a link between, um, your spirituality and what you eat? And if so, can you elaborate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good question, honestly, because um, 
I do believe like Allah has given us guidelines on, you know, what and how we should eat. Um, so other than like what we know for sure, like that's legislated in our laws, like what's halal and what's tayyib, um, we know like there's some guidelines from the Prophet So I, I actually am writing a blog for a Muslim and I've written some guidelines on this already. So I'll just mention a few here, but, um, so the Prophet he used to eat with three fingers. So you know how like when we eat like rice as daisies, like we grab like like our whole hand to like grab the rice piece, like a ball of rice, and we put that morsel in our mouth. Right. Like the Prophet would only use three fingers. So what that means is like he would Sulsan would eat in small bites, right? So that helps us to eat mindfully and it prevents overeating. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is a guidance spiritually for us on how we should eat, which relates to our physical health, right? Because we know overeating causes like excess energy. And then that excess energy is turned into fat, which then can lead to obesity over time if you continue to overeat too much, right? which then puts you at risk of an array of diseases like, you know, hypertension and diabetes and heart disease. So there's a, there's a few um, narrations about like not overeating um, that we have from the sunnah. And it just goes to show like there are, there's a hikmah behind why like this was suggested, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's another narration where um, the Prophet said, I do not eat recli- reclining against a pillow. So the idea is like when you're reclining, you're, your stomach is just like hanging out. Mm-hmm. And so you can fill it up more, right? But then the Prophet sat with his um, right leg kind of raised up and it was kind of like pressing against his stomach. So when you're in like that position, your stomach is pressed in. So you can actually avoid overeating, right? Okay. So it's a, it's, it's amazing that like, this is the way that the Prophet ate, you know, whereas like we, you know, we're sitting on chairs and we're, <laughs> we're just like stuffing ourselves until like, we don't even follow the, you know, the one third, one third, one third. I don't know if you've heard of that hadith. You, you may take one third of your food, one third for a drink and then one third for air. Right. Yes. Yes. I have heard that one. Yes. I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to put everybody on blast here, but yeah. Uh, Muslim people <laughs> like overeat. Muslim people are grand. Yeah. Our cultures are full of like love is food and just yeah. <laughs> like showing affection is like making people eat, you know, and everything is yeah. fun related. To no, food. but that that's also part of the sunnah too, right? Like sharing food, like we right. should share our food, right? Yeah, I agree. Like, but I, also, I think the point is like to not not to overeat because it's you know you become lazy even in your salah right, right. you just in Ramadan we we eat so much at iftar we can barely like making sujood in tarawih is like a task yeah like, oh no I have to go in sujood now like <laughs> right right no you're right yeah um, like that. and I was I thought of something else also actually one thing that I've thought about before is how much Muslim people consume meat. Yeah, I was I was gonna get to that too. Yeah, yeah, and yet, like that's not really, um, that's not, the not part of the sunnah. Yeah. yeah, but people, no. but I feel like Muslim people eat so like you can't just have veggie dishes. Like the, yeah, I know. Like it's not that's acceptable. not meal, right? That's yeah. not considered food anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, no, for sure. I I was actually um, looking into this that the Prophet like barely had meat, you know, and I think even like historically. Um, during the like uh, the Khalifa of Omar Rodilan, he he banned having meat every day. Really, it's something like uh, we need to work on as a community to 
at least if not like like cutting it out I'm not saying cut out completely but and this this goes to like back to my book where like you try to I try to incorporate more plant-based um foods into our traditional foods because um we need to enjoy the food that we eat you know, it needs to be familiar to us. We can't just like, you know, go cold turkey. It's it's difficult for us because we've been eating this way for years, right? Mm-hmm. It needs to be tasty. You you can't be like depriving yourself where you're miserable. And yeah, so um, I kind of try to um, balance the whole uh, having more plant-based foods, but also enjoying your meat and your poultry and your fish. Yeah, no, I, and, and going off of that. So let's, let's get into, um, you know, what you just referenced. So, um, you know, in your new book, Journey Across the Seas and 30 Meals, um, you know, you talk about focusing on preserving our heritage while also mm-hmm. good health. Um, yeah. so can you tell me a little bit more about this, this book that you wrote and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, just share with us, um, yeah. about, about what inspired you and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's in so, it? I think what I realized is um, looking around me, even at like the, even in the nutritionist field, not just the dietetic field, there's a lack of diversity when it comes to like providers being from ethnic backgrounds. So like 90% or 75% of dietitians are white, um, which doesn't really help communities who eat more like cultural foods because the recommendations aren't exactly, um, they're not practical and they're not tailored to our cuisines, right? Um, like you can't tell somebody to have kale and quinoa when they're used to like their dal and roti, you know, right? Like, yep. That's not how it works. So, but then there's also the, the other side of it that, you know, we as communities have internalized that um, our cuisines are like an inherently unhealthy and um, maybe we should just be eating like salads and, you know, all these foods that we see the media portray, but and we have to like ditch our traditional food. And so I was like, you know, it's, it's a balance. It's not that way. It's, we don't have representation and that's why we don't know how to turn our foods and prepare our foods in a way where it's healthier. Because um, if you look at, for example, like lasagna, right? It's a Western food, right? But you can prepare lasagna in a very unhealthy way and you can prepare lasagna in a very healthy way, right? You can make it very heavy or you can make it like add some veggies to it and make it like much more nutritious, right? So similarly with like our foods, like we can prepare it in a way where it's still like traditional, but it also incorporates like healthier options. So for example, like in like Desi culture, we like to use ghee a lot, right? We use like that clarified butter um, some people think it's healthy. Honestly, it's unfortunately, I hate to break the news. It's still saturated fat, okay. which means it raises, <laughs> I know. I know everybody always wants to say, oh, it's Ayurvedic and like, it's healthy. And I'm yeah. sorry, no, it's, it's saturated fat. Still, it's still butter. Um, and it, it increases, um, LDL cholesterol, which is your bad cholesterol, which causes uh, increased risk of heart disease. Okay? okay. So we usually use that in our curries and, you know, in our biryanis and all that. But what I tried to do is like, okay, why don't I swap this for a healthier fat? So there's a curry dish called chicken cashew curry, sorry, mm-hmm. cashew chicken curry. And so it doesn't have cream. It doesn't have butter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have um, ghee, uh, but it's still very like velvety and like creamy tasting. And that's because of the cashews, right? Cashews are nuts. They're a really good source 
of healthy fats, right? Omega-3s, which do the opposite of what ghee does. It actually brings down your cholesterol, right? So you have like these swaps that still maintain like the essence of the dish, but then they also keep your health in mind. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. And and I I really like that you brought up, um, you know, you brought up a lot lot of good points about representation. And I I definitely felt that way. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I've gone down that route where I'm like, ah, you know, maybe I should start eating healthier. And then I eat these things that honestly, I can't even put them down. Like they're so bland and I can't, I can't. And then I just quit altogether. So I'm like, eh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, be realistic, you know, and, and other things you can do is like, um, for example, there's another dish in there. It's called, it's a Turkish dish. It's called carniark, which is basically a, um, eggplant. It's like stuffed with like ground meat, but instead what you can do is you could just swap like half of the ground meat for like mashed beans and you don't even notice the beans. Mm, okay. So it's like bulk, but it still has like that beefy taste to it because the beef is still there. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, even the cashew thing. So I, I recently got married and I, I mean, mm-hmm. at home, I never had nuts in yeah. like in curries. my food. At home. Yeah. I've never had that before. And then yeah. I married uh, Munir who's from Hyderabad and like, Mashallah. I've, I've, uh, it's opened a whole new world for me. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. The spice. (laughs) Yeah. It's cool though. It's cool. Um, yeah, I think you're definitely right. There's definitely ways like dal is such a delicious meal. Yeah. It's nutritious. Yeah. Um, and so what, what about, um, you know, you brought up something about oil and I just had a quick question. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll derail this a little bit, but, um, (laughs) You know, I've been seeing a lot of people saying that certain oils are not healthy. So they're like, if you can't, you know, like saying that vegetable oil is not healthy. So it's like, mm-hmm. what, you know, if, if canola oil or vegetable oil is not healthy, I mean, what can you even use to, to cook yeah. or slightly fry your food or, you know, whatever it may be? Yeah, I've seen that too. I think I've seen it mostly on TikTok. Um, <laughs> TikTok's no, ruining my watch, life. Watch out for TikTok because you, you need to see like, is this person qualified or are they just like, you know, saying stuff out of like, I don't know. Like you have to see it. Like, where's the evidence? Like, where is the okay. reference? Where's the study to back up what you're saying? Like you have to kind of be skeptical when you hear certain things. Okay. Um, so that's why like in, in my book, I've put um, references for almost all of the Uh, claims that I make, right? Because it has to be backed by evidence. Um, So when it comes to oils, so there are, not all fats are equal, right? So there are unsaturated fats and there are saturated fats. So saturated fats are fats that are solid at room temperature. So you may know this, like your butter and your, um, you know, your shortening and things like that, or like the meat, the, the skin on poultry and, you know, the meat, the on meat that you see the fat the visible fat. So those are saturated fat. Um, Those increase your risk of heart disease, okay? By increasing the bad cholesterol. The unsaturated fats, these are the oils mostly that you're talking about. Um, These are actually good fats because they are liquid at room temperature. And so the way they are digested in the body, they actually don't increase the bad cholesterol, but they actually increase the good cholesterol. So there's two types of cholesterols in our body, right? There's um, there's the good cholesterol called HDL, and then there's the bad cholesterol called LDL. The good cholesterol is like the garbage truck that takes away the bad cholesterol out. Okay. So you want to like have the unsaturated fats. So the oils, 
um, like canola oil, flaxseed oil, um, safflower oil, sunflower oil, um, olive oil. Like these are all good oils. So I'm not sure why. Like vegetable oil is usually a mix of oils. Like if you look at the ingredient list, it's a mix of oils. It usually starts off with canola. So if it starts off with canola, I wouldn't say there's anything wrong with that. Sometimes it can have like things like soybean oil. Um, Soybean oil is also good, but some people don't like it because it has like a lot of omega-6, which is linked to more inflammation, but that's a different story. But um, in general, it's good for you. So there's no worries there. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Good to know. You're you're helping me challenge my... <laughs> um, TikTok brainwashing that I just trust me. I get a lot of those TikToks sent to me, and I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> like there's so much misinformation. It's unreal. And, and it's actually it's the the hard part about misinformation for me personally is that it's very disheartening. It makes you feel really bad because when you don't see results or you feel like your body mm-hmm. is acting up, and you just keep you know hearing different things, you are just like, I don't know what to believe at a certain point. You know, so yeah. It's conflicting information, right? Like, for example, like eggs, people always like, are eggs good? Are eggs bad? Like, there's just too much information out there that we just like scratching our heads thinking like, who do I believe? Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. But thank you. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up since we only have a couple minutes left before this Zoom Mm -hmm. closes. Um, Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And I hope the information was beneficial to the listeners. Oh, I'm sure it will be. I think, I think it's a gold. I think what we gave <laughs> us today was gold. Um, where can people find you? Um, so I have a website. Um, it's called sadafshake.ca. So that's S-A-D-A-F-S-H-A-I-K-H and then dot C-A. Um, or you can find me on Instagram and my Instagram handle is sadafshake.rd. So S-A-D-A-F-S-H-A-I-K-H dot R-D. <laughs> Okay. I post a lot of um, infographics types of posts um, on there. So keep an eye out for those. Okay. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And I know you're going to help a lot of people with this. With this Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. And that concludes this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate the support so much. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave me a rating and review. It will help a ton. Uh, If you want to catch more of me, you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on TikTok one day. One day I will get the hang of doing the TikTok thing and be consistent. But, you know, until then, check out all my other stuff, Instagram and whatnot. And uh, yeah, you guys take care now. Bye. Tazzy Faye out.